Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Three mistakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Hello, everybody. Welcome to another episode of The Only Podcast. I am your co-host, Austin Smith, joined as always by your other co-host, John Kirby. You can find us on Twitter at ACSmith06 and at John underscore Kirby. And as always, follow the mothership at The Only Colors. Today is Tuesday, December 7th. And John, I don't know about you, but I'm feeling peachy over here. Do you Uh, like that? Do you like what I did? Yeah, man. I mean, I didn't know we were supposed to come to the potluck with peach uh jokes but i am not ready for <laughs> um you've caught me flat-footed sir uh hey yeah man um peach bowl i let's take a step back the if you're in a bowl that is named for something that you could find in seemingly any home it's a good bowl is what i've learned right like mm-hmm. a rose cotton peach just a bad boy a bad boy lawnmower now if you're that's a great home that's the difference (laughs) you can't just a well manicured home that is for certain (laughs) so no man the peach ball i can't believe it do you um i can't believe they're in a new year's new year's six bowl that's insane like i kind of knew they were going to get picked but then you see it and you're like oh my gosh they are they did it (laughs) Yeah, and we don't. We're not going to go into like a full-on preview in this one, just because, uh, quite honestly, we need to save some content. But um, <laughs> we'll save that for another week. But uh, I mean, like you said, at a, with a zoomed-out view, to say that Michigan State went, you know, ten and two with with wins over some great programs, uh, and are playing in a New Year's Six Bowl number rank, and they're going to be going into it ranked number ten in the country. I mean, what is on the line here is is something that I don't think either of us certainly. That, I mean, we were. I was upset at a million times, but like I felt like I was being pretty optimistic, and I said I thought eight wins wasn't outrageous. And here we are, two wins above that, with a chance to finish with eleven wins and finish in the top ten. Uh, that is outrageous on just about every every level, <laughs> quite, quite honestly. And uh, and you even got like a. I mean, there's a couple of great things about this bowl game. The first is that, well, first of all, it's just the prestige of the whole thing is cool. It's one that Michigan State hasn't uh, been to, at least in, that I can remember. Um, it's being played in Atlanta, which is an underratedly kind of a big deal. Um, you know, MSU has hit Georgia really hard for recruiting in the last two years, ever since Mel Tucker uh, came on board. And so uh, to to have an excuse to host extra host recruits down there get people to the games kind of make your imprint down there i mean i think you kind of even look at what happened in miami in terms of like 
interest from high schoolers and, and programs down there after MSU beat Miami. I mean, sure. similar thing could happen in Georgia. And well, geez, MSU, Michigan State might uh, really do some damage in Miami, given exactly. what's happened these last couple of days. <laughs> that was, that's kind of why you heard me perk up. We'll get to the coaching carousel. But uh, or will we ever? But uh, <laughs> you're right about the Georgia thing. Mel Tucker and crew had guys targeted down there already. Um, this is an even bigger deal, and you know you can basically get them to come to your bowl game. You know, and that mm-hmm. is an incredible visit. So uh, there's that, and then the other piece, you know, kind of like back out again. If you just think about it and through a different lens, this Michigan State team with a game to go. Uh, you know, obviously we, you covered it one double digit games, which nobody put on paper, none go through. If someone did, they would have retweeted themselves to insanity and would be like, <laughs> they'd be a, a, a God. If someone had said, Seri-, like they'll go 10 and two because crazy people would be like 12 and L right. If, <laughs> like if you're going to go crazy, you, you don't say 10 and two, that's just an ignorant guess. So my point is, they go out and they beat last year's Big Ten West champ, and then they beat this year's Big Ten champion. They had the Conference USA uh, beat a Conference USA division champion and have the opportunity uh, is one of the reasons that Miami's coach got fired, who mm-hmm. was a game a game away from playing for the ACC championship, and then had the opportunity to play and beat the ACC champion. Yeah. So, so you're talking about when you look back at this season, you, you, you know how much the college football committee values winning conference championships. This team has the opportunity to beat two and a division winner of another. I mean, that's pretty incredible. It's going to go down kind of no matter what happens in the game. I mean, this season is an objective success. I really, really no matter how you slice it at this point, but it has a chance to be, kind of above and beyond. I mean, this would be, this is really a, a cherry on top, but what's, you know, while people probably take issue, you know, I think some people are probably maybe a little bit disappointed because while this game is a new Year's six, it's not technically being played on new year's. It's actually on December 30th. So new year's Eve, Eve, but realistically it's going to work out really well for Michigan state from a, because at this point bowls are really just kind of like big, highly publicized, um, exhibitions for the most part, if you're not in the college football playoff. And that doesn't mean that they don't have like pretty significant consequences. I mean, we already talked about what that recruiting in terms of on-site could do, but think about what it does from a national like uh, awareness perspective to be playing in a, I believe it's the only game that's going to be on at that time, nightcap on the 30th. I mean, you're not going up right. against any other big games. You're not in the middle of the day. I mean, you are a you are a nighttime kind of appointment viewing slot uh, for a game. So you should have a huge audience. And if you can go out there and you know play in a competitive game, maybe have a couple of big moments. You know, that's there's a if you win, I mean, there's there's massive upside to to playing in this game. And the momentum is already moving forward for this program, obviously, but. Um, if you can imagine it, it actually has a chance to kind of hit another gear, depending on what happens in this game. Absolutely doesn't. You said, um, I thought the, the the draw was interesting in itself, you know, getting Pittsburgh instead of you know, either yeah. Notre Dame or Oklahoma State, which the other options. I, I think while Pittsburgh isn't necessarily, 
definitely a good name. It's not, like you said, it's not necessarily that. It's Thursday night going mm-hmm. into New Year's Eve. No right. one's going anywhere or doing anything. Okay. If you like sports, this is the sport. That's the only thing on. So it, it, you're like you said, all eyes on this game for better or worse. But the good yeah. news for the good news is they have the opportunity that you know 120 FBS programs would kill for. Mm-hmm. So you know, it's a free infomercial. You know, you are you are four hour commercial to the country and anyone that you're trying to get on board, this is it. So what an yeah. opportunity. Pretty awesome. Yeah. And to your point, for better or worse, because if you're a player, for example, with the transfer portal being such a big thing, and obviously MSU kind of being the poster child for it at this point, um, if you look at this team and you see, you know, maybe some some positions that aren't filled to the way that they could be, or certain positions, cough, cough, the secondary cough, uh, that maybe could use a little upgrade in talent, and you're looking to go somewhere and try and play, uh, Michigan State might look pretty attractive. And so, you know, there's a whole nother, there's a whole nother level from, hey, I just want to be involved in this great program to, oh, I think I can go there and play right away. That might, you know, open some additional eyes. So um, a lot of potential consequences here. But, I mean, before we move ahead to our favorites on basketball, we're going to come back to football, obviously. But um, pretty awesome just overall season now that the regular season is fully formally wrapped up. <laughs> So, um, meanwhile, the other, <laughs> the other son, who is buying for our attention and doing a great job, the Michigan State men's basketball team uh, winners over Louisville, 73 to 64. Um, Austin, did you catch this one? It was a blast. Yes, I did get a chance to watch this game. Um, and listen, usually you hate playing Louisville, and they were annoying parts of this game. But but I don't think the final score really tells the story of how in control Michigan State was for the vast majority of this game. Yeah, it, it was weird. It was weird to watch an MSU Louisville game where maybe I was just in a weird state of mind, but never in doubt. Like like it, it, they even they got it to the point where they were like, oh, if they hit a three here, they could cut it to eight. And it's like, are we right? Serious? Like, what are we doing? Like, we're fine. It was never in doubt. And that was really odd. Awesome and odd. Yeah, I mean, especially against Louisville. I just feel, I feel like Michigan State has, we've had obviously matched up with Louisville, you know, handful of times in the regular season, handful of times in the in the tournament. And, and they're always, they're always close games. Uh, it, it feels like, or at least, you know, relatively close, stressful because of the style right. that they play. Right. But this one wasn't, was it crazy? I mean, a couple things jumped out at me. Um, the first of which was the turnovers. For all the good things that I want to say about Michigan State, they had 19 turnovers in this game. Four starters had three turnovers, and so did Jade Nakins coming off the bench, who I do want to talk about more. But um, to win a game like that and turn the ball over 19 times is like, Incredible. Almost the most impressive part of, of the game, to be honest. It's I know. Insane. It feels like in it feels like a hockey team. Like they they just choose to go shorthanded. They're like, okay, you know what? We're only gonna have um, sixty possessions. We're just gonna punt it out of bounds. We'll save everyone the time. You know, like 
we're just going to play 60 possessions and see if we can outscore yep. that. And it's like, imagine if they, and I think Jay Bellis even said it on the, the, uh, the announcer cast. He was like, turnovers, you know, are obviously bad. He's like, you don't <laughs> even get a shot up. Like you, you don't even get an attempt at scoring with a turnover. He's like, that's what makes me so sick about them. And he's right. It's like, imagine if this team got 15 more shots a game. Oh my God. Like just shots. They, like no guarantee they're going in. Just 15 more looks. That would be incredible. And I don't think they're going to get there. I just think that that's why I was so like smiley about this game. Is like, oh man, 19 turnovers and they win comfortably over a team that is definitely going to the NCAA tournament. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's pretty exciting. And a couple other things that I, I mean jumped out is once again, Marcus Bingham was very important to this team. I think it's it's kind of old hat at this point, and we're only what nine games into the season. But I think it's very obvious that he is the most important player. Uh, to this team, just yeah. what he brings to the table defensively and what he's turning into offensively. He's averaging over 10 points a game at this point, but what he does on the glass, what he does from an altering a shot perspective, just currently Michigan state has the second ranked defense, I believe in is it Ken Pong, yeah. um, which is crazy. And you don't get that without an anchor and he is that anchor. Um, and so that's, that's a massive luxury for, for MSU to have. And he was once again huge in this game, 12 rebounds, three blocks, two steals, only two personal fouls. That's one underrated thing about him thus far this season. He's, yeah. I feel like he had this really bad tendency to get into just really stupid foul trouble uh, yeah. earlier in his career. And yeah. he's really not doing that this year thus far. Um, with, that, that was, that's been huge. Another thing I'm really liking, and it, it happened in the Toledo game as well, I'm really liking – what Tyson Walker is becoming as he gets more comfortable offensively from a scoring perspective. He didn't do that much in this game. He did a little bit more against Toledo, but he had 10 assists and he just seemed a little bit more in control and a little bit less rushed and just also at four steals. So brought a lot on the defensive end, but just kind of was clearly getting a little more comfortable with the orchestrating role. And we know, you know, it's, it's almost like a cliche that MSU expects a lot from their point guards. You can tell that he's, getting more comfortable handling more of that load as, as you go on. And again, against a team that, you know, while he dared turn the ball over 10 assists to three turnovers, like, you know, I I think I can live with that as a fan. Dude, absolutely. And then, you know, Hogarth had a nice game too. So you get over 40 minutes because sometimes they're on the court together. You get a full 40, you can feel pretty good at the point guard position. We said it before, but it's just like, it gives a team new life. You have a fifth option out there that is going to be contributing either scoring, um, passing, or getting fouled like A.J. Horgard can do, which is yep. an underrated skill, something that um, will pay dividends in the Big Ten uh, <clears throat> schedule. As A.J. Horgard gets fouled by the other team's point guard, that will help. Just keep an eye on that. The mm-hmm. The other thing you want to talk at length about Aikens, we have, I think, progressed past a lot of flash of potential to this might be it. This We might get this every night. Yeah, I, I mean, I think we've seen enough now to <clears throat> expect a level of, of contribution from him. And I, I can't express how important a, finding a guy like this because yeah. really what it is they found him 
like, I don't think anybody was expecting, you know, call it 15 minutes a night and eight points a game from him, which is more or less what he's uh, in the neighborhood of what he's been putting up in his last three games. He's averaging, yeah, probably around 18 minutes a game. He scored 12, 10 and nine in his last three. I don't think anybody had that drawn up for him as a true freshman uh, until maybe the very end of the season, if then. But what he brings to the table is just a, a whole nother level of athleticism. Because for what for for what Walker brings to the position, he's always going to be physically limited because he's just not that big of a dude. Uh, yeah. And Hogard, for again, all he brings from a downhill point guard perspective, he's just not that athletic of a guy. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's not going to blow the blow the rim off. Neither of them are amazing three point shooters. At this point, Aikens is uh, kind of all of the things that they are not. I mean, he's super duper athletic. We kind of knew that coming into his career. Um, defensively, I mean that he he kind of brings that other level of athleticism from a guard that really is going to help Hogard more than anything else because he's that's probably where he struggles the most. But then he's able to hit open shots. I mean, he's shooting forty three percent from three. At this point in the year, I mean, that's, again, another guy. Who, when you think about what a five could be on the floor yeah. defensively, and you think about Tyson Walker, who led his conference and he was defensive player of the year in his conference last year and was shown he can hang this year already in the big time. Him, uh, an athlete like Aikens at the two, sliding Christie down to the three, uh, Gabe Brown at the four, and then Bingham at the five. I mean, that is that is a number two top whatever defense in the country and that is what your identity can be based on and then if you're going pick and roll with tyson walker and marcus bingham and you've got three shooters on the outside who can hit shots and christy Aikens and brown i mean that and with all these other contributors we've talked about i mean there's the makings of a really good team here and i think they're 100 ahead of schedule but Aikens is a big part of the the reason why in my opinion you're right. The other reason we know they're ahead of schedule is the <clears throat> rotation is set and guys are only at this point earning or losing a touch more run on the substitutions that are pretty regular. So mm-hmm. there's nothing to really figure out. And if everyone kind of buys into this groove, like if you set the groove and you keep winning, which they have a lot of winnable games, you, you can find new gears because you become so used to playing with this you like as this group of nine and mm-hmm. other teams aren't there yet. You know, they're, they're figuring it out. Like we always were figuring it out. So it's not to say that it's a, a done deal. There are going to, there's going to be, you know, roster issues eventually, you know, yeah, and you might have injuries, you might have X, Y, and Z, yeah. but I think, I think what's exciting to me is not just like what you're seeing, but, when you think of where is the growth, right? Like exactly, there are some very achievable areas of growth with this team. And a lot of it just comes from, from experience. I mean, Jay Nakins, the more minutes he gets, the better he's going to get. Same with Max Christie. I mean, you know, you have veteran presences in Brown and Bingham that are going to bring it every night. I think even Malik Hall will get more comfortable and hopefully a little more consistent offensively because we've seen the flashes from him of absolute greatness, but he can go dark sometimes. It's it's all minutes related, I think, with this group. And it, so you're not you're not out there. I think when you look at any team in any year, you're you have you know that what you get on day one is going to have to evolve if you want and grow and change if you want to be a, a team that accomplishes anything. And 
sometimes the things you need to evolve, like last year, is like, oh, I hope Aaron Henry can evolve into our point guard. Like, okay, you're pretty much destined for mediocrity if you're hoping for something that seismic, you know what I mean, of a shift. None of the shifts that you need from this team to be a very good team are all that seismic. I think they're all fairly, I don't want to call it minor, but they're they're not outlandish considering the things that we've seen so far, which I think to me is is the most like I don't think the ceiling is low. I think it's I think it's pretty high and it's to get there. I I don't think you need like these major revelations to take place. Yeah, I agree. I mean, we know that, you know, based on the two teams they they lost to those guys are. um, I mean, those teams are top final four contending team, Mm -hmm. you know, so. You know, MSU has a little work to do to get there, but they have proven, I think, like we said, they have the time to do that. And you mentioned, you know, some guys are taking half steps forward. I think we have to talk about the Joey Hauser taking his half oh, step yeah. back. We can't, we can't not. And the goal here isn't to, like, there's nothing that we can say that isn't going to be, like, something you don't see, right? And the fact of the matter is um, Tom Izzo even addressed it. And I think it's pretty big deal if the head coach is talking about personnel in a non-positive way. He doesn't mm-hmm. usually do that, right? And Especially at this point in the season. It's at this point in the season. And you know what he said? You know what it kind of I kind of glommed onto was you know, it's just like everyone. He hates Twitter, right? Which good on Tom. He gets it. Yeah, can't <laughs> necessarily disagree with him there. <laughs> He's not wrong. You know, oh, rule number one, never tweet. But <laughs> he, he's Joey, you know, he, he can't he's a kid and he goes on social media like anyone, anyone else would do. And it's so easy to say, like, oh, I would I just wouldn't. It's like, bro. Yeah, you would. And it's not probably healthy to do that, but it's real life. And he is. And it's not helping him in his game. And I totally get it why that might happen. And, you know, it's tough because, you know, professionals, they'll tell you all the time, you just kind of got to block out the noise and focus on yourself. But when you're not a professional, <laughs> you know, that's, you're not there yet. That's one of the reasons you are a professional is because you're able to do that. Right. So, yep. so, you know, I think the only thing MSU fans can do at this point, it's like everyone sees it. There is not one thing you can or take or tweet you can have that is going to be like, chain revolutionary where everyone would be like oh that was really thoughtful it's like we get it there's nothing to say anymore at this point the reason time is still playing him is because inside of that guy somewhere is a guy who can contribute to a very good basketball team and the only way he's going to find it is to let him get out there and play through it eventually if something you got to kind of cut bait at some point but I think you got to go with a guy who understands this team better than anyone else and trust him because they are winning, you know? Yeah. I think it's just a reallocation of his role. I mean, that's Mm -hmm. at the, at the end of the day, it's not that he, I I think it's a, it's a couple things. I think he is a victim of expectation. We always talk about expectations. The expectations for Joey Hauser were huge. I mean, we talked about on this podcast saying he might just be around for one year before he goes to the NBA. Obviously that's not going to happen. And so, you know, 
I feel bad for him because there's a lot of came in with a ton of pressure has not really lived up to maybe outsized expectations. But to your point, I think for him now, it's just about finding that role. He's going to play. And quite honestly, it benefits Michigan State to give him 15 minutes a night coming off the bench. He's just not a starter, but he there's something in there that he can contribute. If he ends up hitting 35% of his threes, being able to bring that off of the off of the bench with a, just a little uh, some fewer expectations ultimately will pay dividends. There's not no such thing as too much depth. Uh and I you know, I I would agree with your sentiment of you know, listen to the coach. <laughs> don't don't get on this guy. Like he's obviously heard it from all corners and probably here. Honestly, probably feels it on campus when he walks around. Okay. Um, so just, yeah, have a little bit of restraint and just there, there is a contributor in there. There's a contributor in there. And I think it's kind of working out well for him, to be honest with you, yeah. in some ways, while it might be disappointing that you're a bench guy. Now you have, the the pressure's off because at this point no one has expectations of him anymore. All of those high expectations we were talking about are they're they're gone. Like nobody thinks he's gonna come out and be this no one's expecting him to be this 20 point a game guy anymore and hit 50% of his threes. You know, it's if he could chip in and give you six, seven points a game, let defenses, you know, uh stretch the floor a little bit, get them either give him open shots with which hopefully he hits a few, or force them to run out on him, you know. There's things he can bring to the table, but it, that being said, this is Malik Hall's position. It has to be. But that's it absolutely, it has to be moving forward. But dude, how? Think about what a great like. And if someone could explain that to Joey Hauser in a positive way, and I'm sure right. the coaching staff has. And not, it's like, dude, we're good. Like, it's not right. like last year when you were like, hey, AJ Hogard, um, can you be our right. guard like full time? Like. No, I very much cannot. I can try. It's going to be bad. Um, But we're good. You know, like Malik Hall, like you said, not just like serviceable. He's a starter on on most teams in America. He's a captain. People respect him. We're good. He hit three threes in the Louisville game. Like he's he's butter. Like he can do everything. So like you said, explaining the role, it's like, dude, we're – we're set in a good way. Like if you have a bad game, we can still win. Like that isn't the case yeah. for a lot of teams, you know? So he shouldn't feel the burden, you know, like you said, um, beyond just wanting to do well because the team is good. And I just have one more comment because I want to end on a positive note with Hauser and then we can move on to the Toledo win. But uh, you know that you maybe remember – he missed a three, and then um, he the next two possessions later, he got it in the, the, the far, like near the logo, and launched another one. I don't know mm-hmm. if you And obviously everyone lost their effing minds. I'm going to go to bat here. I'm going to look you in, look you in the ear, at listener, and tell you <laughs> I love it. And here's why. Uh, I used to play – once upon a time when a long time ago and our coach would yell, get him out when so you messed up bad enough and you could hear like, I'm going to, I'm getting pulled. So dear listener, your boy would always be sure to get one up right before, <laughs> because I'm coming out. Okay. And also we're going to win. 
like only if like I feel pretty good about this game. You know what I mean? Not just too too glory boy. But it's like I'm getting yanked. I know I'm done for the half because I really screwed up something I probably shouldn't have screwed up. And um, yeah, I'm, the guy's already at, at half court. He's gonna buzz in. I'm putting one up, baby. I don't. Know. <laughs> <laughs> and that's what I saw him do. That he knew Hall was coming in for him. Watch. Go back and if you DVR watch, he knew when he messed up and he was coming out and he looked over and he knew that Izzo had Hall coming in. So, of course, he let it rain. I love that about him. Good for him. Hey, you get those shots up while you can. And listen, if, it, if it's building confidence, deserve it or not, all for it. Also, like, again, if you know you're going to win, like, have the confidence in your teammates, too. It's like, dude, we're going to win this one. You could feel it. So, like, yeah, yeah I'm going to get one up. Whatever. Um <laughs> So the, the Toledo Rockets, Austin, uh, came in and gave it their all. Uh, MSU won 81 to 68 in a game that they had wrapped up in the first half, and we just kind of kept playing basketball for statistics to, through the second half. Yeah. And I'll tell you guys, we, we're a lot of sunshine and rainbow right now. Good news, bad news. Good news, um, Toledo is a top four MAC team. Do what you will with that information. But, you know, they aren't t- they aren't Western Michigan bad. Like Western Michigan was like um, violently bad. The, the Toledo is respectable. The bad news: MSU should have stepped. They they stepped on the throat and then they like got up and that was dumb. Right. That's the bad news. But I think like that's okay. You know, it's like that's something you got to learn maybe as a killer instinct. But I think they were up thirty in the first half. Like it was over. But still. That's the only thing to work on. Yeah, that's fine. I mean, I, I don't care. I mean, like, <laughs> you know what I mean? They went in the half with a 20-point lead. They won by 13. Yeah, you're, I mean, you're right. You're right. But when I look, I mean, to be honest with you, I, I look at the box score and I come out. I come away pretty happy. Yeah. Uh, you, you know what I mean? Like, you, you once again, you saw Tyson Walker, six assists, 11, 11 points, more steals, causing yeah. problems on defense, orchestrating the offense. Hogard, I thought, played a really good game. Ten points, uh, four rebounds, four assists. Um, too, too many turnovers, but that's okay. Um, but then this was the one again, Jade Nakins. Once again, huge, huge game. Three of three from three. Yeah. Nine points, seven assists. Or excuse me, seven rebounds, three assists. Stud. I, I'm not going to have problems with the team when that's going on. You know what I mean? Well, you know what's exactly, dude. And you know what the other thing is, like, okay, you start to be like, okay, do we need to get this kid more minutes? Right. And then like, exactly. But then you say, from where? Because you got to feel pretty good about mm-hmm. the, you know, Gabe's minutes. You don't want to chip into that too much. And Christy, you know, there's more there. There's more there, and I think weirdly he needs more time because his mm-hmm. ceiling is very high as well. I think Aiken's ceiling is incredibly high. But I don't know. It's like. Where do you put him? Like, he's already when you're up to over 20 minutes this early. Like you said at the beginning of the podcast, like we found this. This right. is a new toy. Um, I don't know where you find more minutes, but he's doing really the most with them. It's pretty great. It's going to be interesting. Like, I think one. You know, we just talked about Joey Hauser. I think that one place that long term you might end up yeah. seeing a difference is Hauser's minutes declining. Gabe truly playing more of that four because the four in MSU system is yeah yeah can be a wing yeah a lot of the time. So I wouldn't be surprised if you slid him down 
found minutes for Aikens playing more of the two off ball. Cause I think your point guard's set. They're not mess. They're not going to make him be a point guard. Well, I think no, Walker no. and Hogard are going to do a, yeah. a great job there. You're not going to mess with that. Um, and coming in next year, Austin. So we're yeah. like done like Aikens, yeah. you're on the way, man. Yeah. You're a two and he shoot, he's a good enough shooter to be right. a two. And, and to be honest with you, he should be defending that position anyway, because again, he's, he's a really good athlete. Um, but I don't know. I'll be interested to see, like, uh, yeah, I, I think you might try to find some minutes for him there. Otherwise, I don't I don't really know. I mean, I think your center is locked down between Bingham and Marble, so it's got to be somewhere in that but, two to four range. Here's the other thing, Austin. Pierre Brooks is demanding more minutes. Yeah. He is playing above his pay grade. You know, I, I, I can't believe I'm saying this. It pains me to say this because he is – I've decided next to Gary Harris, this kid was going to be my favorite MSU player. Oh, man. But Max Max Christie is uh, the least uh, – I'm trying to parse my words so carefully because I don't want to say something negative because he's doing fine. Yeah, he's he's not underperforming expectations. It's just Pierre and Jaden are overperforming so much. Per their star rating slash ceiling, we saw that sure. that's where we're at. We're getting more from them, I think, than we thought. And Max Christie, we're not quite where we thought he could be. Is that fair? I think that's I think that's fair. I think that's absolutely fair. I don't know that I. But again, this to me is a for Christie especially. Like this is an experience thing. You just got to let him – he's just got to keep playing. You just got to let him play through it. Now, if you – on a night – the other thing is when you have a team with depth like this, you can really sort of mix and match on a nightly basis. Like it's kind of the nice part. We've had so many times where we've talked through like Cassius is playing 38 minutes a night or Aaron Henry's playing 40 minutes a night, and, it, and it's like an unsustainable thing. I don't think you're going to find that on this team because you're going to have this depth. And to be honest with you, I think long, like ways into the season, he's going to pay some – some serious dividends. So I, I don't know where those minutes come from, but I guarantee you we see nights in the next three weeks yeah. where Max Christie's playing 18 minutes and Pierre Brooks is maybe playing 25 or, you know uh, what I mean? I think we might get wait. those weird nights here coming up. Okay. See, I, I, I kind of hear you, but then I also think like Izzo did those weird goofy stuff. Cause he was literally trying to find his lineup and it's yeah, like, I feel like he found it. Like he knows what it is, and now he's just trying to maximize it because while the lineup is fun and we love it and it's great, can this win a national championship? Can they? Because that's the Michigan State goal every year, dude. Like, mm-hmm. it, it is. It I, yeah, I, I don't know. I, the answer is you don't know, but you have to at least maximize to the fullest ceiling what you have. And is that enough? We don't know. But we, well, you know what I mean? On that same token, though, while he might not think that this iteration has that, you know sure. he's looking forward to next year. Sure, sure. And he sees that all these guys that he's playing are I hear you. But Bingham's young. gone. But Bingham's Bingham gone. Bingham's gone. Yeah, no, that's a big deal. You can't. Well, that's what you need to so, – so, uh, that's why – I will say if there's one red flag that's coming up for me, it's that Maddie Sissoko – I mean, he's in a tough spot. Like, he's, he's in a tough spot because – not enough minutes. Not enough minutes, but it's one of those things where you wish he could 
Julius Marvel's great. I really he's love Julius great. Marvel. That's he's great. Pick. Yeah. I just wish he could find minutes ahead of Julius Marble just because of like his long-term upside is so much higher. And I love Marble, but his, yeah. his, I, I, yeah, his, I wouldn't be surprised next year if you're talking about Marble at the four and Sissoko starting at the five, quite know. honestly, with, with Brown and Bingham gone. You just get rid of, it's just a different offense if you want to do something like that then. Hmm? I don't know. I just don't know what they're going to do. No, I, that's next year's problem. Exactly. That's what we're talking about. Maximizing this rotation and just getting him so comfortable with this rotation, you know, to the point where you can say, can you string off six? That's what you got to do. Sure. Like, I don't know, but, but you build toward it because you're ahead of schedule right now and you have that advantage. You got to use it. So, um, no, it's, it's a, a couple, a couple big ones coming up though. You know, at Minnesota and Penn State, we start the Big Ten season here, and um, you—it's a not a tough opener. It's a tricky one. Um, you know, on the road in the Big Ten, never fun, especially in the barn. The barn, man. Wild yeah. things happen in the barn. Okay, that's that's the best thing you can say for this game for Michigan State. Yeah, it is. It is a it is a game in a tough environment. Um, I mean, Minnesota's got got two main scores. See, it's funny. We talk about all the minutes getting dispersed around MSU's rotation. Exact opposite thing happening in Minnesota. Jamison Battle, their leading scorer at about 18 points a game, uh, is averaging 38 minutes a game. Peyton Willis, their second leading scorer, also over 17 points, 36 minutes a game. EJ Stevens, third leading scorer, over 35 minutes a game. They've got Luke Lowe, another guard, who is over 35 minutes a game. So – you are going to get about six, seven guys in this rotation, uh, and and that'll be that'll be that. So um, it's, one, it's go cra- ahead, John. No, see, it's crazy, man. Like he, this team's gonna not run out of gas. They are going to like combust on the highway by, <laughs> by January. You can't do this. You guys, like, I get it. I get it, man. You're in the first first year you're ever a head coach. They're new, they're new guy, and he is overperforming. They are overperforming. Minnesota was supposed to be dead last in this conference. They were supposed to stink. They lost everyone but Peyton Willis to transfer. I get it. You also have a 32-plus game season if you do things right. And, buddy – they they're not even going to get to game 20. So yeah. the thing that stinks for Michigan State, and um, talk to Sheehan about this, is that these playing Minnesota and then playing them again mid-January, it, those if you beat them, it's not going to look nearly as good as it would at the end of March when they the wheels have fallen off. They're going to be terrible. I'm sorry. I don't see how this could work. Maybe it does. Maybe these guys trained, you know, with the, with, you know, marathon Olympians all off season. I don't know. I'm just telling you when you play a team right now that goes seven deep, they're still, they can still make it work. You play, mm-hmm. if we were to play them in March, well, I feel a lot better about that. You know what I mean? Absolutely. I mean, your legs are still fresh. It's just a matter of simply the, the the duration of the season they haven't put the minutes on the legs yet and thus they're going to be 
more able to handle what MSU could do. I, I still think that this is a very winnable game. Quite honestly, I'd be oh, disappointed yeah. if, if, if MSU lost this one. Um, because I'd be I'd be yeah, I'd be very mad. I mean, this is just it's just not a it's not a great team. Um, like you said, it's really those two main scorers. They do have a decent amount of size. I mean, Battle six seven. Uh, Eric Curry, another guy who plays for them, is six nine. But you know, nothing that really scares you too much. They don't have a lot of great three point shooters. Uh, Willis and Stevens do each shoot over forty percent. But outside of that, they don't shoot the they don't they barely shoot the ball from three at all. It's one of those two taking a shot from three, or this Luke Low, but he shoots eighteen percent. So basically, if you can run those two off the line, these guys are going to be taking twos all day. And guess what? You have the best interior defender in America right now, Marcus Bingham. So that's a pretty good recipe for for Michigan State. So I think when you look at this game from an MSU perspective, what you want to see is is kind of that the maturity, right? Like you want to see them able to go in and handle this environment because that's the test of this game, not the other team. But it's really the the environment that's always tricky kind of like no matter how good or terrible minnesota is msg it's always just a weird place to play it's tough and you know the great news is you know this team went and played at hinkle and Mm -hmm. played really well so they've experienced one very hostile environment of equal hostility is hinkle fieldhouse and so they've handled that well i think minnesota is a better team than butler but they've they felt that already great news you mentioned um, this is a kind of a, a team with size. They're a long team. That's why they're decent on defense. That's why they have won seven games. They, But they don't have anyone with the height of Bingham. They don't have the body. And that's kind of the – you're going to see this Big Ten season, you're either playing an elite big or you're not half the time, 50-50. Uh, this is the time when you're not. And so what does Bingham do? See, how does he take advantage um, and, and that's where not as much on the offensive end, but potentially, you know, on the defensive end, helping control the game. Uh, and, and like I've said, it's not a bad start or excuse me, a good start, but playing at Minnesota, all things considered, um, to open your big 10 season, it could be a lot worse. So especially oh when, you, especially when you follow up with a home game against Penn state. Yeah. I mean, you're starting. I feel like Michigan State has really benefited from, like, in the in a weird way, and I'd have to go back and look at it, but uh, speaking uneducatedly, as I like to do. Oh, yeah. It. it feels like those first two games, it feels like they've almost never gotten, like, another, even like a top four or five team in the Big Ten in any of those windows. It feels like every year it's, I, I feel like it's always Northwestern, but this year it's not. It's Northwestern, it's Minnesota, it's Penn State, it's, you know, I, I can't even, like, it's Rutgers. I just don't remember them playing, and maybe I'm wrong here, like, the like a really difficult game in that window. And quite honestly, that's why I think I enjoyed the window so much, because they don't get that initial test before they're kind of ready for it. Instead, they kind of get that, you know, the same as they had previously before they implemented that weird little spot, um, just the ability to kind of rev your engines and, and, and yeah get going. But yeah, to your point, uh, Penn State, another kind of ideal early season uh, team to be playing. Um, they are not very good. <laughs> I'll tell you. Yeah, Austin, they're four and four this year. Their hmm. their wins over Youngstown State. Hey, who among us hasn't beat Youngstown? The Penguins. 
in a in a sport you care about. Sure. Uh, took took a um, took a twenty five point L to Massachusetts. UMass got him by twenty five. Mm. Never good. Um, a win over St. Francis, New York, and then uh, the lads from Cornell. Uh, sure. An overtime loss, uh, a neutral floor game against LSU. I can't believe they're still a program considering what Will Wade did, but okay. <laughs> Oregon State win, which didn't know they had a basketball team until last year when they went to lead eight, which is the weirdest sentence of all Wait. time. I forgot that happened. <laughs> you lit- I, You know what? I bet a lot of people did. That's a real thing, folks. That's Yeah, well, thing. we're here to educate. And then back-to-back losses at home to uh, Miami, Florida, and Ohio State, and a close one by 12, which is actually, a, uh, I would call, a not a terrible loss, because Ohio State is seemingly surging. So um, Penn State does play Wagner before Michigan State, so they'll have mm. a tune-up game, you'd think, um, in advance – but uh, this is the John Harrar show. And do you remember John Harrar sweepstakes? I sure do. And I got to say, John, Remind pretty, him. pretty bad decision, buddy. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Had a lot of suitors and instead decided I'm going to stick it out in Happy Valley. Although he's it, it's not his fault that this team is bad. I mean, he's averaging 11 and 11. Uh, he's doing everything that I think everybody in East Lansing was hoping he would uh do here, but uh, instead he's doing it for a, a terrible team. They are um, somewhat diverse in their scoring. I mean, they have four guys that average basically 11 or more points a game. Three of them uh, kind of guards. Seth Lundy, not really a guard, but he's averaging about 15. Um, only real three-point shooter of note is Sam Seesoms. That's a new name. I've never yeah. seen his name before. You haven't? Oh, last year, Sam Sessions. I just go with sessions. I don't know why. Yeah. I mean, I'm, I'm down with sessions. It's definitely not sessions, but I'm down yeah. with that. Um, all, I've <laughs> never gotten last names correct. So there's, there's not even an N in that name, John. Um, oh, sure. I don't know. Anyways. Yeah. They've got Jalen Pickett. Uh, looks like their point guard, you know, averages a little over four assists a game. They don't do a tremendous amount defensively uh, Four steals. But I, I mean, Miles Dredd, another name people remember really ashamed that he's not an absolute superstar with a name like that. He okay. seems like he's actually sort of regressed every year that he's been there. Um, this year being kind of the, an even, even more of a regression averaging only six points a game and shooting 33% from three. So uh, yeah, this one at home feels like, uh, feels like a game Michigan state should kind of run away with. I just don't understand what happened to miles tread. Because if you remember, not that anyone like roots for Penn State basketball, there's but there's a certain level of, you know, when they're not playing Michigan State, do you really care if they win or lose? Like you might as well pull for them because it's kind of sad. I don't and, even know when they're playing. No, well, right. I just mean like if you saw they were playing, you would be like, hey, yeah. <clears throat> them over Purdue, right? Like you just oh like. Oh, my God. Right. You get what I'm saying. I, I thought they had, you know, I guess that's the reason why he's gone. They were, it just felt like they were right there with this recruiting class. And I, I think something really might have be happening maybe on the team. I'm creating a rumor out of nowhere right now. Love it. But Miles Dredd and Seth Lundy, Sam Sessoms, and John Harrar, that's too many good players to be four and four. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I agree. 
They're four good players. Good being a relative term. But it's like you want to have two and a half and you can have a NIT team. I don't know how they're this bad. And you're not wrong about Miles Dredd getting worse every year. I don't know what's going on. Something's up. Here's a question for you. Who do you think is their head coach? <laughs> Today? Today. Uh, Shrewsbury. You knew that? Yeah, man. Uh, I've never heard of Micah Shrewsbury in my life until just now. And I'm, if we've talked about him on this podcast, that's news to me. It is. So, uh, it'll always be Pat Chambers to me. Oh, yeah. Well, Pat, just like uh, Northwestern Bill Connolly or um, whatever. You know what I'm saying? Who's the who's the Carmody? It's, yes. He's always the Northwestern coach. Just is what it is, man. You just you you are always the coach, no matter what, for a program that no one cares about. Yep. Um, yeah, Shrewsbury, tough tough scene. Um, I, I I about the game. Um, this is one where obviously you need to win. This is the type of loss that will haunt you. One hundred percent. In in March, as you're seeding, because. I hate to get to a point in December to talk about seeding, but you have to when you have a team that you feel very confident about their tournament chances and not just that, but where they could fit. These these games not only need to be wins, they just like get them over with and be done. Yeah. Agreed. I mean, I think it's interesting. We'll we'll touch on seedings and then we should we we'll move it along. But you know. I think especially with this team, I think we kind of agree that maybe there's a little something brewing. Maybe this is a team that could could cause some problems for people, but it's not going to be, I, mean, I don't think anybody is like, oh, locked in two seed, anything like that. So, you know, I think the, the seeding for this team could be really important. So when it comes down to, you know, a four versus a five or a five versus six or a three versus a four or something like that. You know, those seedings can ultimately be really important. So, yeah, to your point, you, you don't want to give anybody an excuse to say, oh, we should drop them down the line because remember they lost to that shitty Penn State team. Exactly. It's not it's not worth it, guys. Yeah, don't just win the game. <laughs> hey, take it from us. Hey, we're trying to help you win. <laughs> take, take it. <laughs> so, uh, uh, all right. Take a commercial today. Should we take one? Yeah, I think we should. All right. All right, here we go. Three, two, one. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to cars.com. It's magical. Yeah, we're back, John. Dude. Much like, much like the Phoenix, portal season has risen from the ashes. It is back. A beautiful, beautiful thing. Uh, I think we, you know, ever since I got my first taste of the transfer portal last year, I oh. simply have, have been addicted and, and and man, I gotta say the same way that like National Signing Day is is such a 
thing for so many recruitniks. Portal day, the day after the regular season ends, I think is is something I'm going to have marked on my calendar moving forward because that it is just a wonderful thing. So I don't know what it's like to do meth, but I'm pretty, <laughs> I'm pretty sure seeking the high that you hit off a portal banger like Kenneth Walker the third, um, oh, you're never gonna not hit. be hunting for that high again and that's how i feel about the portal everyone that goes to the portal i'm like hey hey i want him not only do i want him i think he could be an all-american like i'm past wanting it's uh it's a disease it's it's gonna be bad it's gonna come back to bite us eventually but until oh, it does, oh baby, I am gonna, I am going to ride the Kenneth Walker high for oh, very maybe forever. Like not maybe just forever. Kenneth, dude, not just Kenneth Walker. MSU portal season didn't just hit the lottery on one. I mean, they we hit the Powerball with Kenneth Walker. Don't get me wrong. Yep. But other uh, winnings were had across the board. And like, it's not to say that every transfer in is going to do that. But you do have to kind of trust the staff to be better than anyone else at this evaluation uh, thing. I mean, you can't, you can't not. Like, what what could you do but trust them? I mean, they they hit a grand slam and a couple other home runs last season. You have to give them the benefit of the doubt moving forward. Um, so we we talked about it briefly last time. You know, we'll we'll do our best to keep the portal interest updated here, and obviously talk about commits and things like that. But um, first name in that has officially become a, committed to become a Spartan was Jalen Berger. We talked about him a little before, so I won't spend too long on it. But uh, Saeed Khalif, Jensen Gebhardt, obviously big connections there. They recruited him to Wisconsin. Um, and we talked about how he had you know a little trouble on the team. These guys wouldn't be bringing him to another school uh, if they you know didn't believe that this kid was, you know, able to handle the the stage and, and that, you know, whatever it was that got him removed um, was anything serious. So uh, excited to have Jalen Berger, former top 150 recruit, going to come in and compete for snaps, assuming Kenneth Walker's off to the NFL right away. So super exciting. Um, if Kenneth Walker ahead. is not off to the NFL, you and I vow to go and make him whatever it takes. This kid... I, I hope I hope he uh, he makes it. To, he's going to make us look really good for a long time. Mel Tucker talks about NFL players. You know, he retweets him all the time. Like Kenneth Walker is going to do really well for MSU, just in the way that Le'Veon Bell did yeah. really well for MSU. Dude. I mean, I, I agree, I, and I also think we've talked about it before with running backs going to the NFL draft. Like these guys only have so many carries on those legs. You you got to go get paid for every single one of them that you can. And as much as I would love to watch Kenneth Walker and Green and White for another year, like it's just mm-hmm. he, he, you got you got to go get paid, buddy. You just you have to as much as you want to run, but come back. It's actually funny. It's like it's like uh, um, Jaron. I don't know if anybody saw him tweet this week, but he said. I wanted to come back for another year. And Izzo said, you're not allowed to come back. You have to go make money. So I hope that Mel, I'm sure he will do the same thing uh, with Kenneth and he'll be off. But Berger will will get an attempt, uh, certainly get a crack at, at some of those carries um, this upcoming year. Another uh, a couple names to keep an eye out for 
and then we'll talk about the guys who left. Um, MSU had two really big potential transfers on campus last week in Chris Vogel, who is a defensive end from Florida. Um, again, listen, if you, first of all, huge position of need for Michigan state, given the guys that are leaving. Second of all, I'll take a flyer on a former top 150 kid who ended up committed to Florida. Like I'll do that every day of the week, even if it's Chester Kimbrough, I'll roll those dice. Um, so that's an exciting one, but the really exciting one is Jacoby Windman. He is a linebacker from UNLV who was top five in the nation in tackles for a terrible team, but was a outstanding player, uh, for UNLV and, as important as defensive end is, I think these, we've seen how important it is in this defensive scheme to have linebackers that are really big time athletes. And Windman is very much that um, to have him either alongside of or in place of Quiveris Crouch mm. give MSU uh, the same type of athleticism, maybe a little more disciplined athleticism than Crouch. Um, and a really good would make a really good pair with uh, Cal Halliday. Um, should crouch again i'm kind of expecting crouch to go to the league personally but yeah i hear you yeah so those are two two names to never keep an eye on as well we never do this we never talk about we never talk about crews these are technically crews yeah listen look at us i'm all in on the portal um (laughs) uh hold on hold on somebody tweeted like you know the Dr Pepper commercials on Fansville. They yep. they, had, they had the portal. Like is mm-hmm. the nearest one. Why is it Mel Tucker just standing outside of it? <laughs> <laughs> He's like, hey buddy, you want to make an impact? You want to win? Like let's go. Um, yeah, it's fun. It, it is fun. It it makes it's a three sixty five uh, day. It's the best season, man. Um, names that are already in the portal. We all know about Kalon Gerben. Uh, he is already the uh, the Kalon Gerben trade for a player to be named later has been completed with the exchange of Jalen Berger uh, from Wisconsin. So that that's a nice deal for MSU. Um, Chase Klein is already in. Some names that have entered in the last like two weeks. Michael Dowell. Um, he you saw him kind of lose snaps, kind of back half of the year to Darius Snow. So he is going to be pursuing a final year elsewhere. Emmanuel Flowers, who was a uh, reserve DB. C.J. Hayes, who you might remember from like 2016, making a handful of catches, was eventually moved to safety. He is also entering the portal, but will be playing in the Peach Bowl. And then the last one is Ricky White. I got to hand it to, to, to Ricky White. Way to come in and make an impact and then just Costanza. It just walk out, leave on a high, and then nobody will remember you for anything but uh, – just housing Michigan um, once upon a time. There's some rumblings about why he got kicked off the team. Not always, not, not the best stuff. However, um, yeah. See you, Ricky. <laughs> Dude. Uh, thank you for the memory. Yeah. One, one singular memory. It was a good time. So also at the, <laughs> The like you said, I think it's run was really cool. CJ Hayes is staying with the team through the bowl game. Um, you know, you don't have to do that. He's gonna practice 
all the way through. You know, these are his teammates, and he's going to go and support them. And by the way, there's a f- bunch of really cool bull gifts. So yeah, definitely stay, CJ. There's a smart move. Cash yeah. in on the bull gifts. They're always good. And listen, for New Year's Six, I got to assume he's getting some good stuff. Even if it's just a crate of peaches, that seems worth it. Dude, I would – I love one of my favorite parts of bowl season is the players um, tweeting out, like, the gifts they get because they're just insane. Like, they make no sense. There's a lot of no rhyme or reason. They get a lot of electronics out of nowhere that no one will ever use, but it's a, it's great. Um, you know, no money. They can't get money. It's all got to be, like, gifts that are under – a certain like a hundred dollars it's the weirdest things so it's very creative bull bull um like reps and by the way that's a job that you and i both think we want like yes be bull reps right absolutely i would love to go convince people to come play in my bowl game you don't have to convince them you literally go and quote unquote scout like you go to you go to games all across the country as a representative and be like um, I represent the holiday bowl and I'm interested in your football team. It's like, okay, you could have watched this at home. What's the difference? Like, why did you come here? <laughs> the sweet VIP treatment. It's incredible. It's incredible. Because of this reason, duh. <laughs> it's so awesome. Good for them. I like, I like, uh, I like the thought of being like a middle tier bowl rep. So you get to go and watch a bunch of like eight and four football in random oh, places great. across America. It sounds awesome. I would love you like, hey, you know what? I really got to check out Death Valley tonight. Yeah. You know, uh, like this Saturday, they're playing Auburn and never been. Yeah. So going to go take a look. No, I'm, I'm going to LSU, but I'm not going to watch LSU. I'm going to watch uh, uh, <laughs> uh, Arkansas. Because Dude, I'm a representative I, of the Music City Bowl. Exactly, exactly. It's like, hey, no, 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 it's not It's not the good team. Look at the other team. No, yeah. here's a really, really, really quick, I lie all the time when I had beverage, um, story about uh, people going to football games for work. Uh, our, our company uh, represented a beer brand, and that beer brand is not located in America and we sold them on the idea of getting into college football to meet their target. And they were from Europe. So we spent an entire fall going to football games to um, help them understand the culture. And oh boy, they were called safaris. <laughs> and these were very serious business situations. <laughs> that included going to tailgates so that they mm. can understand the different types of literally culture um, and the role that their beer could have in it. <laughs> oh, man. I'm not sure if I could describe a funnier job than that situation. <laughs> Brands. Mm-hmm. What a dope job. Oh, my God. Are you joking? Like, Pretty listen, cool. I, I have to go. I have to do. I simply have to see what is happening in Norman, Oklahoma this weekend you know while they crazy? play Texas. I just have to do it. You know what's crazy is, and yes, I am defending the situation, but what happens in, as we talked about, Tuscaloosa or, Ella, or Baton Rouge in Athens, Georgia, is different than uh, what happens in East Lansing and Ann Arbor and Madison. But it's the same. But it's just, there's a different Insanity. 
it's just a different vibe of insanity, right? And um, I don't know, it's wild. Uh, it was a very interesting fall, let's put it that way. It sounds awesome. <laughs> so you want to go through the notable national results? There were a ton of really fun football games this weekend. Yes, let's do it. Okay, so unfortunately, uh, two of our favorite teams had to play. And it was uh, the Western Kentucky Hilltopper Bailey Zaps versus the uh, UTSA Meet Meep Roadrunners. Hmm. It was a good old-fashioned shootout, and the Roadrunners walked away. So I believe w- Western Kentucky finishes 8-5. and five. They'll go to a bowl game. This team finishing 8-6 and six feels very Arena Football League, which is perfect. Yeah, that is that is deeply Bailey Zapp. I'm I'm excited for his professional career because he's he's got like chaos level like Ryan Fitzpatricky vibes to me. Can I tell you that name is CFL Hall of Famer <laughs> all over it. I'm sorry. 700 yards a game for the Argonauts. And I will tune into everyone. That guy made me a believer. Like I don't even this is a guy who loves punting, okay? And yeah, he did some things that made me feel things I had never felt before, watching Big Ten my whole life. And I don't know. I hope the best for him. I hope he has uh, – I, I truly hope he gets paid to do it at the next level because I think he can sling it a little bit dead serious. Yeah, he'll, he'll, get a, he'll get a shot. There's no question he'll get a shot. I'd like to see him as a lion. Hey, dude, right? Doesn't that feel like really preseason number four guy? situation like preseason number four game like starter for sure deeply like brad kaya once upon a time exactly and you're like hey that guy makes it Uh, (laughs) our our northern illinois rocky lombardis hell yes take down the kent state golden flashes one of the better nicknames in college football i have to admit rocky reclaims the throne this is not just a feel-good story for us michigan state nation This was fun for the portal because, you know, if you play at a level in the P5 level, you can find success um, elsewhere. And Rocky is the prototype. Like he is the proof of that. And you can just feel really good for him uh, finding a really perfect program for him. And congrats to the Huskies winning the MAC championship. Could, couldn't be a better place for him to land. Genuinely happy for him. Um, yeah, I don't know. It just felt perfect from the jump when he ended up there. So I'm glad it all worked out. Yeah, dude. Um, yeah, another bowl game to go. Um, we'll be watching him one more time. And, and um, this, dude, this dude will always have a great place in our hearts. For, for Absolutely. You know, you beat Michigan as a quarterback. Uh, you, you'll go. You're a legend. You get all a long way in East Lansing. Um, continuing on, uh, Utah plays Oregon again. Stop me if you heard this before. Utah beat the shit out of Oregon. Yeah, man. <laughs> to beat to beat a team twice in a season is really hard to do, but to like kick their asses twice in a season is like borderline unheard of. And Mario Cristobal doing the smart thing and just getting the hell out of Dodge, getting as far away from Utah as possible down in Miami. Smart, smart man. Also, Cristobal was like, 
I could spend my time trying to figure out how do we beat Utah, or I could just talk to my agent the entire week, which is what he did. Yeah, exactly. Um, um, here, I'm going to say one quick thing. Um, Oregon losing Cristobal to Miami, does that make Oregon an unserious program? You know, I've been giving this a lot of thought, and it's very – they might be an unserious program. I don't, I don't, it all depends on who they hire. I don't know, man. If they hired – I'll put it this way. If they hired Chip Kelly again, they are very much an unserious program. Austin, um, Austin Miami, Florida is a sleeping giant. Oregon has played in the college football playoff. Like, Miami took their coach. Yeah, you don't really get many more resources than you can get at Oregon. Yeah, I mean, listen, it's not like they hired him and he had no connection. It is his alma mater. I'll give him that. It's care. just a matter of what they it's, – it's what they do now. It's what they do now. I mean, you you got an opportunity to uh, – I'll put the name out there again. I think I've said it every podcast the last, like, six weeks. Dave Aranda should get this job. Dude, Dave I, Aranda is from the West Coast. He is – we're, it'll lead right into our next game. He has led Baylor to a New Year's Six Bowl in his second year. And I don't think he gets nearly enough credit for the job that he did in uh, turning that team around. And Baylor was bad. 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 Very bad. We had like, a segment it, of podcast. I, listen, he gets he, – he, Mel Tucker gets all the shine, and we love that for Mel. But Dave Aranda deserves – as much or more credit than than Mel does in my in my opinion. Hard, hard, hard agree. We had a segment in our pod just dunking on Baylor a couple, only a few years ago. It's true. And, and Baylor, like you said, we're gonna find out if Baylor is a serious program because yeah. they would do very well to pull a Michigan State right yes. now. Because here's the thing: the Big Twelve is nowhere near as good as the Big Ten. Don't get me wrong, but you got to lock this in, man. Long term, forever, forever, 100%. coach. Right now, Oklahoma is vulnerable. Texas is gone. You have the chance to lock in a path to the playoff. To yep. the Big Twelve. There's no reason to think that Baylor can't do it every year. Beat the new Oklahoma, the Big Twelve, right? I, like, I completely agree. I mean, we've seen them be very, very good for long stretches good. of time before. I mean, it's, they're it's good. Very similar to Michigan State. That's what I mean. Um, so, so with them, uh, they did play Oklahoma State. Uh, they <laughs> the unserious program. The most unserious. I can't believe did. this game happened. Oklahoma State probably they're the better team, and did everything they could to lose and did. Four picks, two goal line stand to lose. It was disgusting. I was offended. I hated every part of it. If you can't score from first and goal on the one, I never want to hear from you again. And you get another shot at it, and you decide now's the time to throw to a backup offensive tackle. I actually, actually want you relegated. I want you out. It's disgusting. Pathetic. (laughs) You disgust me. It's just so gross. It was terrible. I mean, I don't know how there's like a screenshot where on that fourth down where the guy is running towards the pilot. I don't know how you I did not think it was physically possible to not score 
on the play that they didn't score on. But you know what? It's better this way. It's better this way. The playoff is better this way with those four teams. Not that they would have made it anyway, so it ultimately is, is moot, but it's better this way that we didn't even have to have the discussion because it just it's Oklahoma State. Like it sucks to be it's gotta suck to be Oklahoma State. Your your rival thinks so little of you that they didn't even consider you when they left the conference. And now you have a chance to maybe go to the playoff and you just choke on applesauce so hard. So, um, so, like, so bad. And it's not going to get better. Like, no, I'm no. sorry. Whatever. Nope. Moving yeah. on. Move desert time. San Diego State, Utah State. The Fighting Brady Hokies had them right where they wanted them, but the Fighting Jordan Loves came out of nowhere mm-hmm. and um, lock up the Mountain West Championship. The most surprising part about this game, Austin, was that Boise State wasn't in it. I would agree. That's all I've got for this game. Good talk. Be good talk. Yeah, yeah, good talk. See you out there. Brady Hoke, Brady Hoke team choking? I, I for one, am shocked. Louisiana and Appalachian State, a game that allegedly happened. And only people know it happened because Billy Napier, um, I think, coached his last game. Actually, I don't know this, Austin. Is he going to coach their bowl game? I don't think so, but don't quote me on that. You know what the he, cool, go ahead. They already named a new head coach, so I have a feeling he's probably out of there and he's starting to recruit already. Can, can I tell you one really cool thing that also bums me the hell out? Is yes. Louisiana fans, the Rage and Cajuns, they openly were very, very, very happy for Billy Napier. There was no ill will. They knew it was coming. And they were like, dude, kill it. Get out there and go do it. And that, yeah. to me, like, was sad. Because screw that. Like, I, I get that Louisiana can't pay the way Florida can. But just, it's just like classism. Like, there's just. It's a caste system. But, John, so if, you love, if, if you love something, set it free. It's true. And I love the way they handled it. But that it also made me sad because it's like, fortunately, we are in a position where we are at the top of the cast system and we have mm-hmm. proven it with the dollars we're willing to spend, which is awesome, by the way. <laughs> Being a billionaire is dope. Yes. Uh, but I can still have empathy. You yeah. know, I'm allowed. I can get that. I get where you're coming from. It, but to, to your point. He did a lot of good for them, and to see him get his chance, you know, that's that's good. He, he moved their program forward, so hopefully they're at a point where they can they can grow. But yeah, I'm, I'm with you. That's that's tough to just know that that's coming is is a bummer. But he also like rejected a few jobs to keep that one, so they really I don't know how they could. It's not like he left for Vandy, like You're he right. left for Florida. No, it's the right thing. It's just like you know, it's like when that guy knows his girlfriend knows she's better than him and yeah it's just it's coming it's coming and it does um cincinnati houston cincinnati did the thing they did the thing austin they made the playoff and shout out to my neighbor cincinnati grad pump for you jake that rules (laughs) um seriously i don't care what happens you can wear like that is cool, man. That's that is uh, glass ceiling stuff. And um, 
You know, I think it's going to change college yeah. football, Austin. I do. Um, I don't know, John. I'm going to say I'm going to say what I've been thinking to myself. Go. The, there's a very real chance that this is the first and only non-power five team to to ever make the playoff until they expand to 12. Because if they go and get bum rushed by Alabama, which yep. let's all be very open and honest, Happening. is absolutely going to happen. They're going to lose by 30 something points. They're going to get killed. Yes. It's not even going to be that enjoyable to watch. Nope. Uh, and that might just put the nail in the coffin for for non-Power 5 because that will always be used as the example, fair or not, probably not fair, to be totally honest with you, not fair at all, um, of, look, they obviously can't handle it, we can't put them in. But Austin, there are two men that are that hold all the cards in the expansion conversation. It is the commissioner of the Big Ten and the commissioner of the SEC. And the SEC is very happy right now as they should be. And the Big Ten has to look around and say, is Michigan our best team? And we're going to find out, just like you said with Alabama and Cincinnati, if Michigan was big, the Big Ten's best team. Mm-hmm. And if they are not, and if it gets ugly, and if it is not going very well, the Big Ten might be inclined to say, you know what, we should expand it. So that we don't have a situation where Gary Barta quote, don't look at the, the games. <laughs> Statistically, one team might be better than the other. Ohio State, I don't think they win a national championship. No. I think they have a better shot than Michigan. I, I agree. So do we, want, do, we want to, do we want to do that we'll, one now or what? Or we'll get there. But my point is, if you're the Big Ten commissioner, you got to look around the room and say, Am I getting my money's worth? Yeah. Because there's a dollar amount that's allocated. If the SEC is going to get two, if they can get two, it ain't no problem. If you're losing the war, you got to talk expansion. you got to say, can I get – got to move past two of four and start thinking about three of eight. Can yeah. I get three of eight? You see how that works? So I'm telling you, this Cincinnati getting in thing – that's changing that's changing rules. It doesn't matter if they lose by 40 because it's opening up the eyes of the people yeah, true. in charge. You you're absolutely right about that. In in that regard you're 100% right. And but I yeah, it, you're right. The Big 10, I think maybe not the Cincinnati angle of what you just talked about for me, but the Michigan angle of what you just talked about. It's is not potentially about, extremely poignant, though. It's not even about Cincinnati. It's just like, hey, what if we made a few more teams available? Because I got some other right. guys, basically. Like, I got more shooters. Right. Is what, the big, is what commissioners are saying. And, you know, the G5 has one every year that wants to be involved, and they stink. I'm sorry. But, like, who can win the NAP? That's what matters. Right. So, but, hey, Cincinnati, we played the games. We'll get to it um, really quickly. We'll keep going. Uh, Pittsburgh played weights, or excuse me, Georgia played Alabama. We already talked a little bit at length about both teams. Alabama wins 41 to 24. Shame on all of us. Yeah. 
Exactly. That's my only takeaway from this is shame on everybody who didn't see this coming. Disgusting. Myself, someone included. I expected Bama to win because I just don't – you just can't bet against them ever for any reason. And I will not bet against them. I expect them to win the national championship. But are disgusting. Yeah. We're, we're all big, stupid idiots. It's like that Simpsons meme where it's Maggie – and she's hanging there and she's wearing the sign around her neck that says, I'm a big dumb baby or something like that. Yeah. That's how I felt. At, you know, that's how I think we all feel for ever questioning the power of, of Nick Saban. Um, one thing, the only time I should spend on this, because I do expect if they get a rematch for it to be a, a closer game, because I think Georgia is better than they've played. The moment was just way too big. Um, John Mechie, uh, Bama's second leading receiver. Maybe actually I think he was a leading receiver this year. What, either first or second, first round type of talent, uh, tore his ACL in this game. And that, while I'm, I know for a fact there are other four or five star talents, probably just, just drooling for the opportunity to catch some balls on that roster. Losing a guy like that, even with Jamison Williams uh, and all the running backs that they have, that's not a small deal for a team that doesn't have an elite, elite defense this year. Um, that, that's, not, that's not nothing. Am I supposed to feel bad for Alabama? Absolutely <laughs> not. I am just, I am not asking for pity. I am merely pointing out a, 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 a data point here. That Don't he, care. Right. Done. We're they, done. Yeah. They, Bama's going to, Bama's, Bama's insane. I expect them to beat the absolute breaks off of Cincinnati uh, in three weeks. We'll preview those. We'll preview. We'll talk all the MY6 bowl. We'll talk actual previews and stuff down, down the line. Exactly. We got weeks to do it. Um, yeah. Pittsburgh uh, beat Wake Forest. Kenny Pickett's a problem, bro. Yeah, we're going to talk a lot more about him in a few weeks, but uh, <laughs> dude can uh, dude can sling the rock. Gloves or, you know, he, what a cool name. Like, I just hope he's good in the pros, man. Kenny Pickett with, yeah. with two gloves. He's going to the Heisman ceremony. Like, I'm going to say just I'm a gonna... cool thing. I'm going to say an NFL team, and you're going to tell me if it makes sense or doesn't. This guy just mm. feels like a Philadelphia Eagle. Oh, I'm going to throw you the exact opposite team and tell you that he has Pittsburgh Steeler written all over mm. for me. Uh, he feels like... Weird how we both landed in Pennsylvania. You know, he's already in Pittsburgh. He's got it, the glove. He just... Running. He just feels, and Ben Roethlisberger is retiring. It just feels like a good fit. Neither of us had even considered that. Just came to me naturally. Yeah. Uh, the the last Wake Forest, Dave Clawson, shout out, get that money. Last thing. Yep. Um, get the bag. Michigan uh, beats Iowa forty-two to three, and I didn't think anyone could be more embarrassing than the Wisconsin lost <laughs> Ohio State fifty-nine to nothing. We have a contender. It didn't get there, but it was right there. Iowa, buddy. This went exactly yeah. how you thought it would do, but like, oh my God. Yeah, I mean, God. you know, it, I knew it was over. It was over as soon as they missed the field goal on the opening drive. The that field that goal is so funny. I actually even X'd out of my phone because I was watching a funny um, series because this was pointless to watch this game because I knew it was going to happen. The fact that they even got down to in field goal range was hilarious. 
him missing oh. was so perfect. It's and like, they, like you, you knew they were actually moving the ball on the first drive, and you're like, oh, whoa, frisky Iowa. Are they feeling frisky? Scripted. And then script. Oh, I know, but then the the fullback gets hit by the turf monster when he's wide open, ready for a touchdown <laughs> catch. They 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 miss the field goal, and that's I literally I have one buddy who I used to work with. Uh, who's a huge Iowa fan, went to Iowa, and I texted him ball game. As soon as that, it, you just knew it was over. And Michigan did what they did what they do. And Every and bad team. They do I'm not I'm team. not going to sit here and congratulate Michigan because that's just not what we do on this show. I have to the one thing I have to say is the level of catharsis that they probably felt in the last two weeks must have been like, like I can't eat. I I you know, I think I can kind of understand it to a degree, because only because like we hadn't been to the Rose Bowl in so long. But MSU was not nearly as tortured as Michigan. You know, like there there wasn't that embarrassing losing streak to your rival and like all this other stuff, all these missed opportunities along the way. MSU didn't have to combat that, and Michigan did it. I just. I'm not going to say that I feel good for them or anything like that. I do have a lot of friends that went to school there and like, you know, congrats guys, you know, you did it, but I could just only imagine how incredible that must have felt for them over the last two weeks. You know how I know they are handling it well. (laughs) I'm laughing while saying (laughs) they, they can't even tweet. Right. Like these guys, (laughs) they are, I don't want to say anything inappropriate. They're they're um, they're shooting off all of the bullets before they were ready. <laughs> hey, uh, uh, listen, but go get it. Like, hey, I would. No, it's, I can, it's just funny because it's like pace yourself, boys. Pace. Yourself. Uh, but here's the thing: like, if, if I am them, if I'm looking in a mirror, a realistic mirror, which I'm sure they're not. No. Like you. You have, you got to get it off now. Like you, you, you have to use these bullets now because if you're being objective and you were looking down the chamber of Georgia, and if you somehow, who, who was unquestionably the best team in the country coming into this week, and then Alabama, who just beat unquestionably the best team, if you're looking down that gauntlet, like, dude, I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I just, you better celebrate now. I would I would tell them all to enjoy the next few weeks and just drink it in because it uh, they have over indexed on every expectation. But man, I just George is another animal, man. They're playing another sport down there. So enjoy, enjoy, enjoy this week, enjoy this off season. But it uh, the the Reapers waiting. We'll get to those previews. I have one question for you. Okay. Are you willing to fire your son? <laughs> you don't have one, but I want you to consider it because Kurt Ferentz needs to really do that. Dude, that's a great topic to end on. Would you Would you go? Your son? I mean, dude, if... What do you not? I mean, I think I think you really got to think about it because they. But but it's not just that. It's it's so bad. 
it was he was terrible. Petrus wasn't putting balls near the receivers. Like, yeah, it was. Like, Iowa was. Chris Austin, he started it. He didn't have to. Alex Redia has been the starter for the last yeah. four games. Listen, every team that lost to Iowa should be ashamed of themselves. I do not understand how that team won 10 games. It is, it is a travesty. If you lost to Iowa, you were an unserious program. It's just that is a plain matter of fact. I just don't get it. Like, I guess last thing here, and then we, we can wrap up. I'm, I really genuinely think that the Big Ten, when expansion to the playoff comes, needs to seriously, seriously, seriously consider realigning these divisions. It is not it, not even from a selfish, oh, we're in this tough division layout. Um, Got to do it. it. You have to for, for, for business because you are getting these awful conference championship games every single season. Teams getting blown out left and right. It's probably some of the more embarrassing conference championship scores that exist nationwide. And I'm sure they've got a handful of them. You're limiting. I mean, think about think about what a Michigan Ohio State Big Ten championship game would do ratings wise. Think about what a Michigan State a Michigan State Penn State game would do. A Penn State Michigan Ohio State any combination of these Wisconsin. I mean, it's the, the ratings and the money that that would drive in would be bananas. And guess what? You could find yourself in an SEC situation where you have two teams yep. playing each other, and that could both get in instead of them having to handicap each other beforehand and 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 cut your own legs out from from under each other, because I, I mean, Ohio State and Michigan State are, are both teams that are light years. Even I would even say Penn State, even though they beat they lost to Iowa somehow uh, by playing the worst backup quarterback that's ever walked to the face of the earth. But um, three. Of yeah, the, uh, you, you just got to do it. Twenty five percent of the New York's or New York. Sorry. New Year's six teams are Big Ten. Yeah. Twenty five percent. They're all in one division. Yep. Have to figure this out. This is not okay. You are, we yeah. are losing millions of dollars. I'm sorry. I agree. I'm with you. Well, all right, Austin. Jonathan, I think that's it. We got hoop next time we see you. We got hoops to cover. We got bowls yep. to preview. And um, as we, we got a couple weeks before the MSU pit game, but um, hey, we've got a lot to do. We're pumped. It's a good December. It's a good December. December's always a fun one. We get to talk about all this recruiting bowls. We're going to talk about – I think we should probably do a full-on hot seat meter next time. Um, but, yeah. All right, guys. Well, as always, thanks for sticking with us. For John, this has been Austin. We'll catch you next time. See yeah.